we can talk about heat as a warmth and there's a lot of products out there that you know they advertise that they'll warm up the leg through heat but that's not what we're really talking about when we say warm up the leg what we really want to do with that leg is ensure that all of the tissue the connective tissue and the joint has had adequate blood flow to it and that blood flow is fully oxygenated why because during exercise, it is the oxygen that is being extracted through the body system, out of the blood, and used. Welcome to the Equine Body Talks podcast. We'll be diving into the equine industry from the lens of a body worker, talking to other equine professionals and discussing scenarios around soft tissue work for all equine athletes. I'm Kim Krebs, your host. I've been working for over two decades in this industry as a loper, barn manager, and body worker. With the many horses I've worked with in all of these capacities, it has driven me to want to continually find out the why and the hows of equine biomechanics, health, and performance. My mentor and one of our industry's leaders, Tina Watkins of In Hand Equine Therapy, will also be sharing hosting duties with me. Tina has been an equestrian her entire life and has dedicated the last 25 years to bringing bodywork forward as a professional career through her business, as well as education and teaching of future and current bodyworkers. This podcast is dedicated to opening the conversation around equine wellness, diving deeper into the whole body approach for equine performance horses. The benefits of compression have been around for millennium. Just ask any mother who has swaddled a fussy baby. The evolution, though, of compression in the equine-specific world of performance and rehab continues to expand. In today's episode, Tina sits down with Donna Von Hoff of Strathcona Ventures, a family-owned business for over 25 years, supplying the equine industry worldwide with a variety of services and products. One of these products and services is the Equicrown Compression Bandage. As you will soon hear, Donna first heard of this product many years ago and has since become the technical specialist on a global basis for the English-speaking world. She has clients from North America, Europe, and the Middle East, and is a wealth of knowledge when talking about compression. Equicrown products are used for a variety of reasons, from stall rest, to rehab, to performance preparation and recovery, surgery, and much more. There are many different types of bandages for each use and having an understanding of when, where, and when not to use them even is the key to the success of your horse's needs. So let's have a listen. Okay, everybody, today we're very excited to have Donna Von Hoff of Equicrown Canada with us. Donna is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the compression industry. Donna, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for the invitation, Tina. Much appreciated. Yay. So Donna, can you, let's just start right off with yourself and and how you got interested in working with Equicrown products and what got you started in this industry? Oh, it's kind of a long story, but we started with the parent company, which was Strathcona Ventures. And I actually sat on the board of the Alberta Veterinarian Medical Association and was able to go to lots of conferences. At one of these conferences, 
I met the representative out of the US for Equicrown and took an immediate interest to the product because it filled a gap in the industry that we had identified both as horse owners as well as within our business. And they were just launching at that point, basically found in Germany, a little bit of work in Holland, nothing really in North America. They were just getting to that point. So it was a great time to get on board with them. So that's been 10 years now that I have worked with Equicrown around the world. And in that time frame, I know before we started recording, you had mentioned that the products have changed a lot from the inception when you got into them. Can you tell us about how compression works? And then maybe we'll go into how it's evolved over the years. So just like it works with humans, it exerts pressure against the outer layer of the skin, stimulating both the circulation as well as the lymphatic system so that lymphatic fluid, which carries our toxins and uh, impurities and everything from old cells to be excreted, Keeping that going is very important to a horse because any of that clustering or that oedema that forms in their legs, it makes them feel tired. It makes them feel unwell. It's something that we as humans notice that when our legs are swollen, our ankles, that we feel kind of sluggish. It's, it's kind of hard to move around. So if I do it technically as an explanation, really what happens is the outside pressure, it helps in two ways. It decongests and it helps reduce the edema in the leg, but it, that pressure from the outside actually reduces the venous pressure and it stimulates the blood circulation and improves the lymphatic flow. So maybe the other question on it is why use compression, right? You know, what does it have that regular standing wraps don't have? It's a mechanical massage. It can constantly squeeze and release. And we've all seen horses as they stand in their box stalls or you know, even if they're just standing, how they shift their weight back and forth and back and forth. And just that shifting allows for the compression garment on their leg to contract and release, contract and release against the pressure, which ultimately causes that finger type of massaging into their leg. That's not possible with a static wrap, a traditional wrap. That was never the intent. The original intent of standing wraps was actually to girdle or hold static the leg with the thought that, well, if we wrap it tight enough, no fluid can get in it. But what they missed in that was they also cut off the circulation to the hoop. Right. And I think that's a great point, Donna, because when I first came in contact with you and did a little bit of education with you, you had mentioned that there's several different types of compression and that compression, like you said, can be either active or static. And I think people maybe don't realize that compression can be used in different ways. Can you describe that a little bit to us? So if we look how compression can be used on a horse, it can be used for rest. So as the horse is in their stall and they're not moving around, therefore their entire system slows down, just like we do. 
They can be used for riding as a support because compression actually used during the course of riding activates the oxygenation of the blood back to the hoof at a faster rate than if they wouldn't have it on. So it's supplying adequate oxygenated blood to the muscles and the connective tissue that are so very important in the horse leg. And we can use compression in a rehab basis. So rehabbing, it could be a, a deep digital tendon tear, strain, it could be a suspensory tear. We could have splints that are going that pretty much under control, but the compression actually over those splints will keep them under control. Uh, and for many horses, that's extremely important. Compression can also be used to control chronic conditions. So a chronic condition could be defined as a lymphangitis, for example. And we all know horses out there that have lymphangitis and, you know, you, you have to almost cry for them when you look at their legs, they're split open, there's serum coming out, they're in terrible pain, and they are in a life-threatening situation. Lymphangitis, the complication, of course, will always be cellulitis on it, a bacterial infection, and there is no time to waste. You call your veterinarian right away. This is, is, this is serious. Why is the body sending the fluid into the leg in, in such a rate that, that maybe it isn't able to take it out in that same rate? Well, maybe the construction of the leg should be discussed first. And you know better than I do that the committee that put the horse together did not talk to each other prior to assembly, right? Otherwise, we would see lymphatic glands from the hoof on up, but somehow they're missing. Not only that, but it's a one-way valve. It's, it's kind of a traffic jam in their leg. That, that's the best way of saying, you know, everybody went to Walmart and it's all clogged at the bottom of the leg. Horses that have adequate exercise, their hooves are trimmed on a regular basis. Their frog makes contact. Those are horses I rarely see. Those are horses that have a healthy lifestyle. They're out, they're being worked, they're exercised. They're uh, the heart in their hoof, the frog, is being used appropriately by the body. The lymphatic fluid is returning back to the gut for excretion or perhaps to the chest. And there's no pooling. The system is working, but there are so many complications to that these days. We stall our horses, we put shoes on our horses. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but what I'm saying is we've added some challenges to the horse leg that weren't anticipated. There are a number of patterns that I see that um, certainly there's some research going on about it, but I see horses that are a perpetual stocking up at higher risk for complications. I see horses that have had an injury and it could be as simple as a wire cut or a nick and their immune system immediately triggers and says, oh, potentially there's bacteria. We should send more lymphatic fluid there to be able to wash out the bacteria, take it back to the gut. In simplest forms, I'm, I'm talking right now. I see horses that are continually battling scratches or mud fever. And, you know, and then the saying goes, well, is the leg white? 
I also see leg tissue as complicating leg health at times. It can be scratches or mud fever. It can be an injury. It can be ongoing close clipping of the leg and not understanding that your clippers carry bacteria and that in the right situation, you're going to trigger not just a lymphangitis, but you'll have a raging cellulitis going within literally hours. So I see that all the time. So I tell my clients automatically, your clippers have to be sterilized between each leg and do not share them with anyone else. I've seen it over and over and over again. And maybe it's not your horse. Maybe it's someone else's horse, but just practice this as part of safety with your legs, with your horse legs. Um, one of the things that you had mentioned that I think is really key is the the tissue being stretched out. So, you know, you get um, people that recognize like uh, wind puffs or just some fluid at the bottom of their horse's leg. And, you know, people kind of maybe have seen it in enough ho different horses that they think, oh, that's just normal. And I know speaking with you that when the structure starts to get stretched out by having that fluid lower down in the leg, that it does have an effect on the rest of the structure and your compression product does an amazing job with this. So can you go into those, the wind puffs and the fluid at the bottom of the leg just a bit more? Sure, absolutely. So a horse with healthy legs has tight legs with marginal fluid in it because there has to be some fluid in it as part of the immune response. That is normal. But a horse where you can actually push your, your finger into the tissue, and it may or may not, uh, indentation in the tissue may or may not come out quickly or slowly. So I actually will look at a leg, put my thumb into the tissue and just see how quickly it responds to coming out. One that comes out rather quickly, I'm not overly worried about. One that sees an indentation, then certainly I am, I'm going to recommend the fact that compression wrapping is required and perhaps even going further to a manual lymph drainage. It just depends what the level is. Wind puffs will collect fluid. They can grow. They can cause no harm to the horse at times. And in other horses, for whatever reason, there's a trigger and this becomes part of an ongoing leg issue. Lymphangitis is a condition. It can't be cured, it must be managed. If you manage lymphangitis, then you're able to actually keep your horse healthy and happy, and you happy, and the veterinarian at bay. And it's not that I want to cause them any loss of work. I think the goal in this is just to keep that horse happy and healthy and okay for work. What does compression do? It simply uses, it's a graduated compression, so it is tighter under the fetlock and releasing slightly as it goes up the cannon. So it is moving the fluid up as opposed to standing wraps where some people will even start in the middle of the leg and wrap up and then wrap down. And that is the bane of my existence when I see those wraps because it's just, it's trapping fluid in the fetlock and it's stopping the circulation that's needed to keep that leg healthy. Compression, depending on the condition of the leg, I might recommend using an Equicrown Fit, which is a lighter compression just in the stall. Or I might recommend something totally different if it's a performance horse. 
So a performance horse, I would recommend that they have nothing on their legs at night in the stall. But what happens is that when you go in in the morning to feed, Equicrown actives go on at that point and they are on for at least a couple of hours before the horse begins to work because that's usually the brushing and the grooming and you know there's usually about two hours after feeding before you're you're taking the horse out. The Equicrown actives may stay on the leg or not for the period of work. It depends on the discipline and the circumstances. And they should stay on anywhere between two to four hours afterwards to mitigate any risk of lactic acid pooling in the leg or DOMS, sore muscle syndrome. And then let the horse lie down. Let the horse be a horse. There is no need at that point with healthy legs to add poultice or do anything to those legs. And those horses from our observations are the ones that will lay down and have a really good deep sleep as opposed to having something warm and bulky on their legs. Yeah, that was a great description, Donna. Can you just go one more time over the thumbprint? Because I think a lot of our listeners might not know exactly what you're meaning when you said, you know, put your thumb into the fluid. Could you just describe that just in a little bit more detail so that people at home, maybe that have a horse that they're considering looking at your compression product might be able to understand that point a bit more? Absolutely. When I look at a horse leg, I make acquaintance with the horse first before I start dealing with their legs. Always a good idea, even if you own the horse, just grabbing the leg is just, it's not what horses like. They, they like a little socializing before you grab their leg. I'll run my hand down the outside of the leg and I'll get a kind of a feeling of, is this leg bony? Is it structured? Is there thick tissue on it? Just by touching it then I will curve my hand up the back of the fetlock where the ergot is. And just around the ergot, I will actually take my forefinger and my thumb and squeeze it to see how much tissue is sitting there. With healthy tight legs, there's very little tissue there. With legs that are beginning to stock up, you will get anywhere between half an inch to an inch of tissue between your forefinger and your thumb. Once I've done that, then I will go around to about two thirds of the back of the fetlock. So I would say if you were looking at the ergot and the ergot was at the center, I would be looking at about 10 o'clock or two o'clock on either side of the fetlock. And I would push my finger, my thumb into that actual tissue. And it will either make an indentation or not. If it makes an indentation, I'll do it several times to see how quickly it will respond and come out again. So you could, you could very much equate that to the human who has sprained their ankle and you have edema around the ankle joint and you push your finger into it. You can see that where you push your finger in, it turns white from the pressure. So we can't see that on the horse leg, but we can observe the actual indentation of our thumb into this tissue. That's an excellent description, Donna, because I think a lot of people could take that, go out to their horse and, and see if maybe they have something that they need to address fluid-wise. Uh, Donna, you mentioned that these can be used to help with rest. I think that's a really important point for us to get you to uh, elaborate on a little bit more. What are you meaning when you're saying that this product can help the tissue rest? Let's move the conversation to the human athlete, to the runner. 
Marathon runners will don their compression stockings approximately two hours before they run. And during that time period, they will be adding the fluid they need to their body and basically getting ready. And then after their run, they will actually not take their compression socks off for several hours. So why is that? And we can learn a lot from human athletes and the horse leg. So the advance of it, of course, is to prep the leg and make sure that there's a lot of oxygenated blood reaching the extremities. But afterwards, what it's doing is it is continually stimulating the skin and the circulatory system and the lymphatic system so that the toxins that are created during that actual exercise or that physical assault are being removed from the extremity because it is the pooling of those fluids. So we talk about lactic acid, for example, or we talk about the lymphatic fluid. Within those, there are toxins. And within those toxins, it creates a reaction within the tissue. If we can reduce the reaction of the actual tissue to the toxins that are there, what we're doing is we're mitigating any inflammation that occurs at a microscopic level. For listeners, I always ask them and my clients to think about a couple of things in their life. First of all, do they know any woman who might have had a breast removal and wears a, a sleeve on her arm to make sure that there's no lymphatic fluid pooling in her hand? In that case, you've got damaged lymphatic nodes, and it is the compression that stops this pooling in her hand so that she doesn't feel she's carrying around a large piece of lumber that's not responding. The same is true with the horse, that their legs are very sluggish and very tired unless they're dealt with after a very hard session of jumping, dressage, reining, barrel racing, doesn't really matter what. Importantly, I think what we've learned is that horses don't want something warm and bulky around their legs. It feels awkward. How would we feel? Reminds me back to when we used to put these leg warmers. You know, I'm not sure who invented those things, but it was not a good idea. Olivia Newton-John. Hey, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, that's really going back. <laughs> no comments about age here, ladies. <laughs> But one of the, the people who first brought that out to me, and it's, it's a good six or seven years ago, I was, had the fortune to work with Ben Marr out of the UK. And I said, you know, that horse just is more comfortable with these on. It shows on her face. He looked at me and he said, well, how would you like your leg wrapped up with cotton and strapping all around it you'd feel like a duck waddling down the, the hallway and I went you know that guy's got something going there it's your you know what it's my clients it's the riders it's the veterinarians it's the therapists like yourself it's you'll say something and I'll go yeah that makes sense right, right we continue right. to learn about compression and its use and when we shouldn't use it as well there's there are instances where I'll say no this is not the appropriate tool for where you are with this leg right now yeah, that's perfect. Why don't we go right into those couple of the contraindications of compression used on it? The most important contra 
indication is the horse has a fever and its leg is swollen and the owner believes that if they can get the swelling down, they can get the fever down. Well, it's the other way around, right? So horses that have a fever should not ever have compression on because we don't know what's causing that fever. It's really important for the veterinarian to be able to diagnose what's going on with that horse and provide a treatment plan. And it may or may not include compression after the fever's gone. I mean, we, I work very, very closely with veterinarians and will not step into their foyer of, of training because that's not what I do. That's not where I need to be. I will not use Equicrown where I think there is a bone splint that is starting to actually separate out of the leg. And I will hear a lot from people that oh no, you know, the, the vet has said to wrap this. Well, that's fine, but I choose to allow the vet to say what type of wrapping they want. In all cases, when we work with clients, the first question I will say, is your horse under veterinarian care? And if so, for what reason? They go through a lot of training. Why on earth would... I step into their garden patch, not having all the facts or knowing everything I would need to know to make a recommendation. Yeah, that's brilliant. With as long as I've worked with you, Donna, I really know that you are a team approach person. You and I have worked closely on a couple of cases and your interest in sending information for everybody to learn is really fantastic. You know, you always want the client to understand and the horse to get the best care and to help educate the body worker in my case or the other professional you're working with. So I think that's really unique about yourself that you really want people to actually be able to understand, which I think is fantastic. Earlier, you said something that I think people will want to circle back to, and that is that you need to warm up the tissue in the leg or prepare the tissue in the leg for work or exercise. Can you tell us a little bit more about one, why your product does that? And two, you know, most of us don't think much about, we think about warming up our horse's muscles and their tissue, but we don't really think about warming up those shunts in the leg. So can you expand on that? Sure, absolutely. So I'm going to go back to the human runner again. I'm going to go back to the Michael Phelps as an Olympic swimmer who taught us a lot about compression, probably the most about compression in athletes of any person so far. We can talk about heat as a warmth, and there's a lot of products out there that, you know, they advertise that they'll warm up the leg through heat. But that's not what we're really talking about when we say warm up the leg. What we really want to do with that leg is ensure that all of the tissue, the connective tissue and the joint has had adequate blood flow to it and that blood flow is fully oxygenated. Why? Because during exercise, it is the oxygen that is being extracted through the body system out of the blood and used. The horse requires a level of oxygenated blood that we humans don't need. If you think of the speed of a racehorse that starts with two paces out and within four paces, he's at 
30 kilometers an hour. You wouldn't put cheap fuel in your car. Think about compression as activating the fuel system for the horse's legs. That's really what we're talking about. I'm very, very cautious about the use of any sort of infrared into the leg, but love it for large tissue areas. And it's more on the basis that there's very little tissue, very little connective tissue. If we look at it in percentage to the bone in the leg, and we, we need to be very cautious of where that energy is going and whether it's being absorbed or dissipated or bounced off the bone as an actual heat source. So compression, you know, going back to warming up, think about compression as putting high octane into those legs so that they're ready to perform when you ask that horse to work. Yeah, that was a great description. And just in case people didn't catch it earlier, you had mentioned that you want that on, did you say up to about two hours before the actual exertion, that before the riding is happening? Certainly an hour before, two hours is optimal. Okay, perfect. So then on the other side of the exercise, Donna, when the leg is cooling down, what can compression do on that side when you're looking at waste removal, as you had mentioned earlier? Can you go into that just a little bit more about what needs to happen after exercise? You mentioned domes <laughs> and some enzymatic changes, like for instance, lactic acid being left in. Could you go over a little bit on what needs to happen so that the leg is ready to work again the next day? Back to human medicine, interesting enough. Let's talk about significant physical exercise for the human. They've had their compression on, but most of these athletes would turn around and say to you, oh, I want a cool shower and a massage. Why? Well, in the case of Equicrone on the leg, really what it's doing is it is massaging the leg after this exercise. It is allowing it to relax. It is preventing the pooling of fluid, which feels very uncomfortable. And it is ensuring oxygen red blood cells again into this area. Because we know that during any sort of exercise, equine, human, canine, that microscopic tears occur in the connective tissue. And it is those small tears that actually cause fascia within the skin to have this very sensitive feeling that, oh, my leg is tingling or I've got a cramp in it. It is telling our body we need to get more oxygen to this particular area because I depleted it. Excellent. One more point on that, Donna, then. So if you, if you have a regular ride, okay, wasn't that much exertion, the horse is at that level of fitness, which I'm going to ask you about fitness here in a second, but just regular ride, everyday kind of exercise regime for your horse. Sometimes people think that that day no big deal. We don't need to do anything extra for our horse. But I know you and I have had some really interesting conversations where it's actually those everyday kind of rides where we need to support that horse so that on the harder rides, their body is more efficient. Can you tell us about that a little bit? You know, I, I look at 
compression as preventative maintenance and rehab. So for a young horse, there's probably no need to really do a lot with them, Tina. I mean, I know a lot of trainers, they bring their horses in uh, at three years of age and they begin. So the minute that they're box stalled, Equicrown are part of their care. And what I mean by that is Equicrown go on the legs when they're stalled. When they're out of the stall, there's nothing on the legs. Okay, so totally different than when we're talking about an athlete. We're talking about a young horse in training. If we're talking about a horse that is pasture cat, and we have lots of those, those clients, then, you know, it's great for the horse because first of all, psychologically, that horse is happy. It's outside, right? But those horses, one needs to look at what the condition of the leg is, the age of the horse, and whether there has been something happened to those legs during its lifetime. And make a decision whether, you know, it's kind of like granny. Granny's ankles aren't looking too bad, but granny does a lot more sitting around. So maybe we should have granny in compression hose at this point to prevent a complication in her circulatory system. You know, I'm sorry to draw so many comparisons between human compression and horse compression, but we know over research that there are far more similarities than there are differences. Yeah, that's so true. And I think too, I love these analogies you're making because then people can really take it in to how the horse is feeling. You know, sometimes we think of treating our horse just because you know, we think it's the right thing to do. But we talk a lot on this podcast about behavioral changes and how the horse is trying to talk to us. So I think these analogies really help people, Donna. I think this is super. I have to jump in there. One of the one of the most common comments I get by phone or looking at the horse or, you know, an email or a text is, I have just put the equa crown on my horse. I can't believe it. He's chewing his lips and his, he's almost asleep. That is the most common comment I get when we apply Equicrown to the leg and the horse actually relaxes. It tells me one thing. It tells me that there may have been discomfort in those legs and the horse is appreciating it, but certainly that the horse is feeling the massaging effect of that on his leg. It's one of those wonderful things that you like to hear, honestly. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's why we all do this, isn't it? To make, you know, to make these creatures feel better. That's awesome. A couple of other things we've noticed, and we see it in high performance uh, riders. And, you know, I'm really, I'm really, really fortunate to have uh, a stable of clients, if you like, but, uh, you know, a large uh, friendship circle of high performance riders that are on the international scene, some are heading to the Olympics. One of the things that they have noticed, and they're really good about reporting back observations to me, I just, you know, this type of information is so valuable for being able to share. And that is in jumpers, for example, they notice that the flexion on the fetlock is at a tighter angle when they're using Equicrown as opposed to a stable wrap. And the only explanation I have for that is any fluid that's in that joint is gone so that there isn't the pressure or the physics or the resistance to them being able to get full flexion. And we see that of course in dressage horses as well. 
Yeah, that is a super point, Donna. I think as riders, I don't know that we realize that there could be, just like if we went back to the human example that you use a lot, you know, if there's extra fluid in something, when you do go to flex that joint, you do feel that resistance. And as a body worker, not only is that resistance, of course, happening in that joint, but that is going up into the rest of the body and affecting the biomechanics. So I think that is a great point to bring up. One of the things that you mentioned earlier in the podcast, but we hadn't got a chance to circle back to was actually the support that that you get from compression. So, you know, sometimes like you had mentioned before, people put on, you know, they put on the big thick gamji and then they put on the standing wraps over top. And we're really thinking that, you know, that bulk is creating support. Can you describe to us how actually the compression is giving as much support or maybe a bit better because of the circulatory change? I'm just going to use one descriptor and this should bring a grin to anyone who's listening. If you are a female, Spanx. Does Spanx give you support? Yes, a lot. <laughs> Equicrown is Spanx for horses. Our, our male friends don't always get that. <laughs> so if I'm somewhere and they're kind of shaking their head and going, oh, this can't be, I will look at the size of their wrist and I will ask them, and I think I've done that with you, Tina, and I said, let's put this on your wrist and see how it feels. You can feel the strength of the compression under it. But um, that is my simple answer when I'm asked, you know, how much support do they give? And it's a grin and it's, yep, Spanx. Yeah, love it. Love it. If we could go into your products for a second, I know some of your products are available for actually athletic use. So yes. could you tell us the difference between having something that you would use for a therapeutic use versus an athletic use product? Yeah, I can do that actually, Tina, but there's also going to be contra inter, uh, indications on some of those products, okay? So the Equicrown Fit is a softer compression. It comes with a two-row hook and eye, and it would be most commonly used for mild edema in the leg, stall rest, maybe under the, the shipping boots. I've expanded use on that quite a bit. We use it after surgeries. The leg is actually measured in advance so that we know what we're doing, especially if it's an arthroscopic into the fetlock, because what we can do is we can hasten the recovery simply because we're not putting something warm and bulky on it and it's swelling and then we have to get rid of the fluid. But indeed, we're controlling the fluid amount from the get-go. So I work with a number of surgeons out of the U.S. and we've moved surgery to the point where equicrine... <laughs> Fit is used over a surgical pad, and uh, up comes the horse, and he has his equi crown on. Can I ask about heat release? Um, Absolutely. Just, yeah, yeah, you're just speaking a lot about recovery, and I know you and I have talked a couple times about how the um, compression, at least your product will allow that heat release, but still keep the compression. Can you go into that a bit? Sure. Okay, so what's what's super important, and there's lots being written about it now, is the damage to connective tissue, to tendons, for any sort of heat trapping 
under a wrap, regardless of brand or type or however you approach it. And the reason for that is the tendons in particular are highly sensitive. The, that connective tissue is highly sensitive to heat. And in one study, I looked at that even two degrees over ambient temperature on the leg can create as much as 15% death to tendon tissue. It's, it's astounding what can happen. So what is the difference with EchoCrown? And I just answered a lady actually on Instagram a few minutes ago, like before we got on the call and it was sort of, well, that looks really hot on the leg. So EchoCrown is open weave. It is no different than having a cotton t-shirt on, but it is the way the threads are knit. It's called a flat compression knitting, which means they can articulate the shape of the leg, but also still have that air going between the threads. You can cold hose over them. I use the actual silver wraps in Middle East and Dubai because the silver, in addition to the open weave, actually reflects the heat out. Even the black wraps, I would think that a horse's leg would be sweating under them. I mean, you know, I'm, I, I'm definitely the doubting Donna on certain things. There's no doubt about it. You have to prove it to me that it is so. But, you know, working with riders in Florida during the January and February festivals down there and the heat, because it's, it's, it's quite, quite warm, you take those wraps off and that leg is cool. And it simply comes from the fact that it doesn't heat trap. The heat is dissipated. It's, it, the leg can breathe. And there's no material in there. There's no neopremes or uh, plasticized materials that also attract heat and hold heat. Yeah, that's a super description because, you know, sometimes you see, you just mentioned the word neoprene, those a little bit more inexpensive kind of splint boots, people call them made out of neoprene and people take them off the leg and the leg is absolutely soaking wet. And as you had mentioned, if you raise the temperature in that leg, not only is there tissue degeneration, but because of the heat that's trapped in there, the friction when the tendons are moving against each other or ligaments, if you're also including the suspensory, is not able to dissipate heat further. So you're actually creating uh, problems within those structures as well. So I think that's super. You mentioned your silver technology. Can you just go into the silver ions and what they are doing with the product? Absolutely. So, you know, it goes beyond the silver ions in this. It is actually 99% pure silver thread. So spun silver that is worked into the wrap and it is approximately 17 to 18% weight when we look at the percentage of the wrap. What does it do? Exactic silver is what it's referred to. And it is used extensively in human compression, again, particularly with ulcerated legs from diabetics. So diabetics in particular are highly susceptible to skin perforations and breakage as a result of that disease. With horses, what we have found is that the silver fits have become an excellent tool to managing anything that is bacterial on their leg that is truly a condition. So scratches is one. 
I know that if I apply silver equicrown actives to a leg with a raging scratches, that in the third day, it will be scabbed and they will be white. They have gone from really, really inflamed and that within a week, that leg will look normal. It is the fastest response I've seen with anything. We will use the silver technology, certainly on post-surgical wounds or looking at uh, lacerations on a leg. And how we'll do that is we'll put a surgical pad over it because we don't want it over an open wound. It'll abrase it. But having that silver wrap on the leg takes away or mitigates the risk of a bacterial infection. I've worked on a number of legs with veterinarians where they have had a branch puncture through the actual leg, or they have been almost degloved. And the automatic thing on that leg has been, yes, it needs a level of wrapping. So we will use a a looser fit compression on that. So instead of me really cranking up the compression on that leg, it will have the surgical wrap around it. And then instead of using vet wrap, we will use the equicrown because it will keep the leg cooler. It allows it to breathe. Not only that, but what's nice about it is to remove it, we can just cold hose over it, undo the clips and have the actual surgical pads and the equicrown come off without removing too much tissue. Yeah, that's brilliant. And I know on a couple of cases that you and I've worked on together, the leg can start at one size and we start with one size of compression boot. And then I know you've always said to me that just really watch that because as the leg comes down, we might need to change the sizing of the boot. And I think that's a brilliant part of your protocol is that these are made to fit. It's not like one of those compression socks that you've seen, they come on kind of like a roll for horses and you mm -hmm. just cut as much as you want and you pull it on. So that's interesting as you were just talking there that can you just describe to the owners, you know, as the fluid in the leg goes down, how you would continue to change your, your boot or your, you don't call them socks, do you? Your boots? No, we actually call them bandages. Bandages. Okay. Yep. And you know what? I'll take a, a, a story that is happening right now. So I have a, um, a mare in Kentucky right now with a, a leg issue. She uh, she definitely had a raging cellulitis. They came to me as the leg was under control and there was no fever. And what I asked them to do so that we keep the size of the wrap appropriate to the leg that we're dealing with is I asked them to measure both the affected leg as well as the healthy leg. Why do I do that? I want a baseline on that horse of where the leg should be going. After this number of years, I can almost, but not always, predict how many sizes we're going to need to use to get the leg down to where it's within range of the other leg. So this particular horse, it's a good leg, measures out as an extra small hind. It is a thoroughbred horse. It's not unusual to see equicrown sizes seem to be 
awfully small for a very big horse. They're sized according to European horses versus what we see in North America. So this horse has got an extra small hind on its unaffected leg and it started out as an extra large on the affected leg. I speak with that owner or the veterinarian in charge of that horse approximately every three to four days. But I advised them and said, we need to start off with an extra large. You're going to need a large within probably seven to 10 days. After that, I'm not quite sure how fast it's going to come down, but I estimate that that leg will end up either as a medium or a small. So you potentially could be looking at four different sizes. What I say at that point is these are not wasted. These are tools in your box because lakes that blow up that large could potentially blow up that large again. And you need to have the tool in your box to be able to address it before it gets out of control. Lots of owners tell me, actually, there's one down in the Calgary area that said, you know, that leg started to act up. And I pulled out one of the larger wraps that you had me get in the beginning. I put that on, I walked the horse, I cold hosed the leg, I called and reported to the veterinarian and the clinic said, just call us back with your observations in a couple of hours. She was able to size down that leg to the next size the horse had no fever, so she was fortunate. She caught that horse just as it was about to go into an episode. And, you know, that, that's, that's great. If we can actually train, advise, educate owners of what to look for and what steps to take, it's so much better for their horse. You're yeah, dealing yeah. with the problem before it becomes critical. Yeah, that is such a great point, Donna. And just as you speak through that, I know that you have said to me before that because of the knit and the weave, that the product itself does stretch out a little bit. And then when you wash it, it has that memory to come back to size. Is that still, is that still the correct way to describe it to people? Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, I hand wash it and I hand dry it. And I say, no, 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 no. Okay, maybe if you're on the road and that's the only thing you can do, that's great. But I want you to pop it into one of those mesh garment bags and I want you to throw it in your washing machine and your dryer at warm. And here's the reason why. Because it is an open weave, which is about why we keep the leg cool and also because it's a flat knit. Think about horizontal and vertical members or threads and the square between them. The reason compression releases is because the square between the vertical and the horizontal threads plugs with dirt, grit, cells, or otherwise. It is the swishing in the washing machine that actually gets and dissolves that material out between the compression threads and the weave to allow it to contract back up. Then what happens is if you toss it in the dryer, what you end up doing is removing the moisture beads that are between that as well and allowing the full compression to come back where it was. And the nice thing is, is that they're made so well. I mean, I know I've had my very first set from you, oh, probably for 10 years now, you and I've been working together and mine, every time I wash them, they come back 
still beautiful. So I know that the product is absolutely super. Donna, do you always use two of them or do you like on the good leg as well? Do you put compression or do you recommend that it's only one leg or is it totally case dependent? It's case dependent to some extent, Tina, but the lymphatic system for the gut and the chest do not work in isolation. And a physiotherapist in Utah actually did a case study on her horse for me, beginning with just one on one leg, and then a month later, adding the other compression wrap. And what she observed was that the affected leg came into shape within just a few days where she had been working on it for a month. Now there can be all sorts of reasons why, because that's not scientifically articulated in a study. But she says, well, it kind of reminds me of me working on human patients that I would never ever just put compression on one leg. I would have it on both legs, recognizing that we know the lymphatic system is a little bit like a pump. And that by adding compression on the other leg, you're actually creating a vacuum within the entire system that allows this material to be excreted. So the way I explain it to people is, think about the other leg adding to the actual circulation and return of lymphatic fluid. And if one leg is highly efficient, it's going to be assisting the other leg. Where I don't put wraps on both legs is where if I get pushback from an owner, obviously, but also in a case where it may be an emergency that we need to get it on that one leg first, and we just simply don't have the time to get it on the good leg at that point. So, you know, two or three or four days might go by, but I will circle back and say to them, okay, let's get that other leg done now so that it's assisting the leg that's affected. And I've noticed a difference even with my horse when I've used them and done a massage. And then when I haven't been using them as much and doing a massage, and I really do feel like you can feel, you know, that there's a bit more pooling uh, when yeah. you're working in the muscle structure above the leg. So I think that's, that's a great point. Donna, do you, with Acrocound Canada, do you do compression for other parts of the body? We've talked the whole episode about legs, but is there compression for other parts of the body? Not by Equa Crown. And certainly I've seen some brilliant pieces, for example, for the head and the pole where horses are, uh, we'll, we'll say we have a bit of a neurotic horse out there and somehow compression on the actual head has been very relieving to that horse. It's almost like they're being cradled. So, you know, it would be nice to see products like that developed in the future that are open weave and that address uh, specific needs of the horse. I've looked very carefully at the full compression suits for horses and think that they have a large degree of benefit in certain circumstances. And the biggest problem that they've had so far is the heat trapping because such a large piece cannot be an open weave. It, it has a, a certain amount of synthetics in it just simply so that 
it, it wears and tears, right? You know, they're pretty expensive. So you don't want it falling apart right away. But the caveat on that is you're going to put a stronger material into it as a result. Horses are beautiful creatures. They're put on earth for us to love them, drain our bank account, and try and kill themselves in no particular order. We continue to grow a body of knowledge of what we should wrap on them and what we shouldn't. It appears that legs are the things we centered on several hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, and it's still what we're focused on. As far as head and body, we're still kind of lukewarm on that one. Right. Excellent. One last thing that I want to talk with you about, Donna, is the team approach. I know I've worked with you quite a bit. I mean, I am. I hope we work together for a long time still, but you are a big team person. And throughout this, you've mentioned the veterinarian, you've mentioned other body workers, physiotherapists that you work with. For those that are listening, how important is it to have that team approach where people are actually speaking about the horse for it to be a success when we're trying to get through either issues or just athletic performance? Oh, I think it's highly important. So let's talk about athletic performance. Talked this morning with a gentleman whose wife is on the U.S. Olympic team. And, you know, we chatted back and forth because her horses are all equipped with Equicrown. And I, I said to him, I said, you know, Equicrown isn't the be all and end all of everything. It's just one tool in the box that goes together with other therapies and other cares. My goal in this is to teach you how to best use it for the benefit of the horse. And that is my comment with any horse that is healthy and that perhaps is in competition. When we talk about courses that are injured, rehab, or otherwise, it's extremely important to work with the body worker, with the therapist, with the veterinarian, because I need to know what they're thinking. They may have cautions that I need to listen to. The one thing about Equicrown that I explain to therapists is it's not there to take away work from you. What it does is it actually makes your work more valuable by you have done your therapy, whatever it is, it could be ultrasound, it might be theraplate, it, it, who knows what it is, but you've done that therapy and then you put the Equicrown on. The Equicrown is a stabilizing force between the time that you finish your therapy on Monday and you come back to the horse on Friday so that you're not having to go backward to where you were, rather you can move the horse forward at that point. There was a lot of pushback out of the UK from body workers and therapists on the basis that, well, if we start to use compression, then what is our use? Well, therapists are extremely knowledgeable when it comes to the functioning of the leg, the personality of the horse, the horse's work, what the injury was, what the history was. Again, Equicrown is simply a tool. And my role is to teach therapists and veterinarians and owners how to get the best value out of that tool for their horse. You know, some of the things that I'm working on and we put together a number of teaching sessions. So I now teach at six universities in the US and I work with eight Olympic teams, which, you know, I'm really proud of because this was a product that wasn't known 10 years ago. And it's, it's moved forward slowly and surely. 
but one of the things that we're learning again from humans is, and I'm doing a fair amount of work in the US on it, is other surgeries for horses. It could be a thoracic surgery. It could be um, eye surgery. It could be uh, a colic. In these particular institutions, we have now instituted that compression goes on those horses' legs before they're anesthetized. And it stays on their legs until release from hospital. And it may even stay on their legs on, you know, while they go home for a period of time. Because we know that legs for a horse are the indicative factor of how they're feeling. After colic surgery, you'll see their legs puff up. You'll see that if they are in a surgical position, that all of a sudden there is this rush of fluid to their legs because they've been in a horizontal position. So I think that's an evolving area that's happening more in veterinarian medicine, but to be recognized by body workers and therapists because they're part of that team as well. How else can we use compression to the benefit of the horse? How difficult is it to use at that point? Is it something that's easy? So we know that zipping on a pair of compression bandages is pretty easy when the horse is sedated. We use them, for example, in breeding barns. Stallions take a terrible beating on their hind legs. So there it's, it's preventative and it's being used in a way that a lot of owners might not even think about, that the fetlock and the hind joint of that horse is, is taking a real beating during the breeding season. Those are just some of the areas that we start to work on and recognize it, it could be for the benefit of the horse's legs. Donnie, you're such a great educator and we hope to have you back for a little short course. But in the meantime, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, how would they find you? What is the best contact for you? Well, what they can do is they can go on to the Equicrown Canada website and there's a contact form there and they can put briefly what their question is and their name and email and telephone number. And we try to get back to people within a 24-hour period. Other than that, they can give me a call at the office. We're located just outside of Edmonton in beautiful Sherwood Park. The number for the office is 780-464-0485. And wherever I am, they'll track me down. Perfect. I love it. Well, we'll make sure that that gets linked in the show notes as well for people that are driving and weren't able to write that down. Donna, honestly, we can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. You're just such a wealth of knowledge. And I think not only for body workers to understand that you're out there, but for owners to understand that you're out there and for other professional team members to understand how much you have available to them and, you know, how much I know you love educating. Cause I, every time I talk to you, I'm like, Oh, learn something new each time. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you very much for the invitation. And I look forward to another session. Oh my gosh. So much to think about really an application for any situation with more research and trials ongoing as the science of compression and fabric types come to the forefront. If you'd like to learn more about Equicrown products, reach out to Donna through the office as she indicated, or by going to their website at www.strathconaventures.com. 
Having a consult with Donna to determine the best use for your horse's situation is recommended. She will ensure that whatever the desired effect for your horse is, you get fitted into the appropriate bandage for your horse. Thank you for listening to this episode. We appreciate each rating and review you can give to help grow this podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook under Equine Body Talks or connect with us by email at equinebodytalks at gmail.com. To learn more about courses by InHand Equine Therapy, please follow them on Instagram and Facebook as well and their online course platform at inhandequinetherapy.podia.com. Remember to always be an advocate for your horse and not be afraid to open the conversation around your horse's wellness team.